So after the first quarter of 2021, we had the appreciation value in addition to the price discount. And what had happened was obviously, yeah, you have to deal with the tenants. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey. Welcome back. This is Sarah Larby. You are listening to Where Should I Invest? And today we are speaking with Jenny Woon and Tony Singh, who also, by the way, have their own very successful podcast, which I was recently interviewed on as well. And we talk about the West Coast, many things about real estate investing, and uh, these are very inspirational women. So definitely check out their podcast as well, which is called In The House Podcast. Check out their website, inthehousepodcast.ca, and you can learn so much about them. And they've got over 28 years of combined experience, have been very, very successful, not only as realtors, as investors as well. They're very, I, I will tell you, very motivating, and I hope that you guys enjoy the show. But before we do that, I want to bring in Dahlia for our one-minute tip of the week Dahlia, what is happening? What do we need to know about the mortgage and the financing world? Dahlia, over to you. Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. And today I will share with you a tip on whether to go with a fixed or a variable rate mortgage given the rate environment. As you know, on March the 2nd, the Bank of Canada increased the overnight rate by 0.25 points, which has a direct impact on variable rate mortgages. Future increases are also expected with another round of increases planned for this year, totaling an additional 0.75 to 1%. This increase typically happens in 0.25 increments, so you don't need to panic. But does this mean you should rush and lock into a fixed rate? Well, here are my thoughts. Firstly, breathe, step back, and I suggest that you stress test your budget and portfolio first. If you are on a variable rate, Take every property you have and check what your new mortgage payment would be if you were to increase the rate by 1%. If it is a rental property, can it withstand a rate increase? Will it still cash flow or will it turn upside down? If it's your primary residence, can you tolerate a higher payment? Generally, on each $100,000 of mortgage, a 0.25 increase in rate results in about $15 increase. If your rental property can withstand the increase or personal budget can withstand the extra payment, then stick with a variable. And I will explain why shortly. If the property turns to a negative cash flow or the monthly extra payment will strain you financially, then there are several ways to get around this instead of locking into a fixed rate, including stretching an amortization on a property consolidating expensive debts in your monthly budget to absorb any, an increase or converting all or part of a mortgage into an interest-only payment temporarily to help reduce the monthly payment. Now, here are the reasons why I suggest you stick with a variable rate right now. Number one, the premium between a fixed and a variable rate is just above 150 points, meaning if you're on a variable rate of 2%, switching to a five-year fixed would be at around 3.5%. This premium used to be much smaller historically. So with this in mind, variable rates have a runway to rise. Number two, flexibility. A variable rate gives you the flexibility to lock into a fixed rate at any point in time without you qualifying or without extra 
uh, penalties, and you can do so if you're uncomfortable with a floating rate. But most importantly, with respect to investing, many investors grow their portfolio by taking out equity from properties that have appreciated in value and reinvested. So if your refinancing with your current lender does not work out the way you thought it would because uh, they changed the rules or your situation has changed from an income credit or a portfolio size standpoint, a variable rate will allow you to switch to another lender with minimal penalty. If you need guidance with how to hedge against and plan for the upcoming interest rate increases given your personal finances, our team at Streetwise Mortgages will equip you with various strategies to help you ride the wave and keep growing your portfolio with confidence. Email us at info at streetwisemortgages.com. Cheers to your success. Amazing. Thank you for that insight, Dahlia. Always a pleasure. And, uh, and guys, if you do need a great mortgage broker, Streetwise Mortgages and uh, Dahlia and their, her team will be able to help you scale your portfolio and uh, get some financing. There's some very creative ways to get financing as well. So reach out to them. And on that note, let's bring in Jenny and Tony. Jenny, Tony, welcome. How are you ladies? Hey, Sarah. Awesome. Thanks, Sarah. Nice to see you again. Ah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, now the tables have turned. So I get the privilege of finding more about you. I was on, uh, on your podcast recently, and, uh, and today it is my turn to be able to ask lots of great questions. And we are going to dive into the Vancouver market, the BC market. I'm excited because we don't do a whole lot of episodes where there are guests from the West Coast. So I am honored to have both of you ladies today. Thanks for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us on. We're a big fan of yours, your show. Awesome. So for the listeners and those tuning in for the first time, if you could just each take a, just 30 seconds to, to inform us of like, you know, who it is that, uh, that you are and what you do in real estate. And maybe if you wouldn't mind sharing your portfolio overview, maybe Tony, why don't we start with you? Oh, okay, sure. My name is Tony Singh. I, uh, my family owns a real estate brokerage in Vancouver. I've been licensed for over a decade in, in resale. Primarily, I started with a large marketing company for pre-sale developments, running marketing systems back in the day. They were really big. And my first taste of real estate was marketing and helping them sell the large-scale buildings by developers, so the concrete high-rises. And from there, I really found that I loved the grind of resale. So I was doing both for a while. It was really tiring, um, but so fulfilling. And yeah, I, I mostly am focused on resale. I've been working on some land assemblies recently in Metro Vancouver. Those are a different type of animal, lots of fun, but very different. And I love real estate and investing. It's awesome. Very cool. Now, are you, Tony, an investor as well? I am, but I wouldn't be as advanced as you, Sarah, which is why I tune into your podcast. <laughs> no worries. You got lots of great insights. I'm, I can't wait to hear Thanks for sharing. Jenny, what about you? Yeah, thanks. Well, I'm Jenny Woon. I'm with the West One Real Estate team, owner and founder of West One, and as well as um, hanging my license with Oakland Realty in Vancouver here. And I've been in the business for 19 years. Primarily, I would say 60, 70% of my business is in project sales and marketing, and the rest of the business is in resale and managing my team of five agents. I started in project sales, and that's why I've really created this niche um, to, 
to create brands for developers. And it's taken my career to a, an extreme high just because I've been able to um, benefit um, the pre-sale market here in Vancouver. And um, the, the, what's exciting for 2022 coming up is um, opening, up, opening up my own brokerage. So I'm really excited about that. And um, yeah, investor myself as well, being able to um, tap into getting first dibs in the projects that I work, work on and networking with um, kind of high profile developers in the industry and as well, kind of getting my um, kind of nose to the ground, like really getting to know the people that work in pre-sales and being able to invest in properties such as that. Very cool. So how did the podcast come together. Maybe you just share before we get into the, you know, my podcast, talk about your podcast. If you wouldn't mind sharing, like, you know, what brought you together? How did you come up with it? And, uh, and what is it about? Go ahead, Jenny. Sure. Yeah. Like Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I was looking into coaching, to be honest. So my first and foremost was how do I get out of just the day-to-day deals of like doing transactions and I was looking into coaching and mentoring agents and I took classes on how to speak on stage but then all of a sudden COVID hit and no longer were large events and conferences and so well I'm like how does how do I maneuver through this so I thought about podcasting and I was listening to Tony's um, one of her episodes that she put on IGTV on on educating buyers on I forgot what a, what what the topic was but selling tenants and properties she was so well spoken and I DM'd her I said Tony let's start a podcast and to be honest Tony and I haven't really interacted very like much we've done uh, we tried to do a transaction together way back but we've kind of known each other over the past 10 years and you know just with life being so busy we would uh, touch base like went for coffee a couple times tried to do a transaction like i said and it just never came about but um i i knew that tony had like she's just an inspiration and a go-getter and very driven so we i just felt she would be the perfect match to to you know co-host with and after a one episode we tried this on a zoom call this trial run and we sounded really i felt we sounded really great and we actually just shared it with some of our friends and got their opinions on on the topic of uh, of uh, what we thought about wealth what wealth meant to us and just from the instant connection and synergy that we had we decided to within 30 days start a podcast and we named it in the house podcast but funnily enough, mm-hmm. there was definite alignment there because even before Jenny reached out, I had a dream board. I do that at the end of the year for the following year. And it had podcast on there, but I was looking at it from a different perspective. It was really to do with working moms and bringing everybody together that way. So when Jenny reached out and said, we should do a podcast, I said, well, yeah, let's do it because um, definitely aligned. And I've always respected her as a a professional and she's become a really great friend that I've uh, been privileged to know during this journey. I think Tony, we, yeah, we also have to add Tony though, from Mm. like our perspective, like she's a family, like she has a family with two kids and I don't have any kids. And, and I think what the element that Tony brings to the podcast is being able to add, add how, how do you balance like, family life and work life 
and her being a full-time mom and her running the brokerage with her family as well. And then how, and then from my perspective is how it affects really personal relationships and professional relationships. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's a combination of educating our listeners. It's a combination of um, entertainment as well. And, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's been really fun. I think we're going to be releasing coming up to like 70 episodes very soon. So we're excited for our third season. Wow. 70. That's, that's actually a lot in a short amount of time. Do you release one a week? Every yeah. Wednesdays. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're on all the platforms, Amazon. We're on uh, Apple, Spotify, <laughs> Apple podcast, Spotify, um, IGTV, YouTube as well. So I'm going to add a question here and then we'll go into the Vancouver and BC stuff. But since you started your podcast, cause I think it brings, so, you know, it's funny. Cause when I started this podcast, I didn't know what it was going to bring. I'm like, you know what, let's just do it. I ended up going to like a wealth seminar. I don't, I don't know if you guys remember this, but it was one with like Pitbull, I think back in the day. I don't know. It was back in 2017, I think. And then mm-hmm. I ended up taking this like $500 course. And I'm like, you know what? I took the course. I like to take action. So I'm going to go ahead and start it. And that's how it came about. And then it grew from there. But I'll tell you so many good things come up. You meet so many awesome people. You have so many opportunities. If you had to say, you know, what, what, did the podcast do for you that maybe you weren't expecting? Because maybe somebody's listening to this thinking, hey, you know, how do I get out there more? How do I create a brand for myself? Podcasting is a great, a great tool, but what is it for you? You know, maybe Jenny, you can start or, or Tony, whoever wants to start that you're like, oh, wow, this is the opportunities that it brought us. We had no idea that it would come to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At first, great question. At first it was about teaching agents how to like tips and tricks on how to be a better business person working on their business rather than in their business. Uh, But selfishly, I have to say that I've learned so much about myself and just growing compassion and, and knowing that I can ask for help. I can ask for, for help from Tony. I can ask for help from all the coaches and top producers that have been on our podcast. And, and I thought I knew everything and, and I'm here to teach, but I'm actually learning more and, and benefiting from the podcast. So that's, I would have to say that what's the biggest surprise to me is that I've been able to open up more and, and just be more vulnerable and, um, and just take in as much um, information, all the tips that I've been getting from all the coaches that we've been interviewing. Mm-hmm. Great For answer. sure. I would have to agree with that. <laughs> I'd have to agree with that. To be honest, when we started the podcast, so I also have a part of me that loves to learn and also wants to be able to inspire like-minded people. And I I don't actually think I had expectations when we started it. It was just something fun and new and amazing and and such a fun collaboration with Jenny. So I found energy from it. And, And I guess because we're going into our third season, I'm really, really grateful that I've been surrounded by so much love. It's a funny thing because whenever I'm, so we have a system out here called Touchbase. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but when you're messaging a realtor on the system about one of their listings or they're messaging you, it's like a background system for realtors to communicate. And it's funny because I've noticed that since we started the podcast, it's like I'm having conversations with people that I know and they won't tell me right away that they listen to the podcast, but it's just nice. It's just a nice conversation. And then afterwards, they're like, oh my God, I listened to the podcast. It's so great. I feel like I know you. So it's been really, really awesome. I feel lots of love. Awesome. Yeah. Good, good. Well, great answers, ladies. I mean, I, I, I think that there's some huge benefits into, into doing it. And you've mentioned some, some really key things there. 
So let's switch over your main homeland, I should say, is Vancouver, BC. And, and when many people think Toronto, Vancouver, they're thinking like a lot of money. But here's the thing, right? Every, every city everywhere has opportunities. Every province, every state has opportunities, depending on the strategy that people have, right? If it's like a cash flow strategy, there might be some different areas versus if it's an appreciation play, there's going to be different areas. But you are both the experts in BC and Vancouver. Maybe just share with us what we should know in 2022 about, about the market as it stands today. Oh, Tony, you want to start? Yeah, sure. <laughs> that is a good question. I think it's important when investing, like I'm a big believer in not following the crowd. Okay. So for example, the year that we had 2021, obviously Vancouver real estate and surrounding areas were absolutely insane, multiple offers all over the place. And when working with buyers during that time, we were doing a few things. One, clarifying what it was that they had wanted to achieve. Okay. So if the primary goal was for real estate investment, exactly what you had said, Sarah, is it for an appreciation grab or is it ca to cash flow, right? To build their wealth portfolio. And so one of the things we were not recommending at that time, and we're still not, is chasing what everyone else is chasing. People as buyers get into this rut of, oh my gosh, it's a new listing. One day on the market, now I have to compete. No. There's different strategies that can be applied to that in order to get a quote unquote great deal as a buyer. And, and honestly, you wouldn't follow the crowd. So I think for, for 2022, to go back to your question, I would say don't follow the crowd. I have some tactics for that. There's also some really good areas in BC that are cash flow positive. A lot of people don't think that they are, but you just have to look outside of that little bubble that everybody else is targeted towards. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. I want to take a quick pause from the podcast to introduce you to some of my amazing contractors. On this week's episode, I wanted to introduce you to Rob and Joel from White's Elm Design Build. And Rob and Joel just finished my major renovations on my latest Burlington project. And it was a full renovation and absolutely worth it. They've been super easy to work with. I wanted to give you guys some insights on some of the services that they offer their clients and they focus on Oakville to Hamilton and beyond, but they're really great. Like if you guys are ever in a property and you want to FaceTime or video call Rob or Joel, they can actually give you some insights on what to look for and also how much we are looking at renovations. Because if you're thinking about doing a flip or a burr project, the rhino part is really important to get right to also figure out how much it's going to cost and what renos are going to be needed to get the actual maximum after repair value. So super important. They will gladly do these video calls or conference calls with you guys to give you some of those insights. They're really good at getting back to clients quickly. They can also do physical walkthroughs. If you guys are thinking about purchasing a property or you have it under contract, they can do that with you. They're super professional and uh, they've been very involved in my latest project and uh, really on the ball. So super easy to communicate with. They finished on time, on budget which is really important as we know. And they've got a whole team of trades. They line them up so that they're as efficient as possible. 
and they work with a lot of investors, but they also do some of the higher end flip types of projects too. So they work on everything in between. They're fully licensed, insured, WSIB covered. So feel free to reach out to them. They are able to be found at whiteelmdesignbuild.com. That is whiteelmdesignbuild.com. Or you can send them an email, joel, J-O-E-L, at white elmdesignbuild.com or rob at whiteelmdesignbuild.com. Good luck on your next projects. Now back to the show. Okay, awesome. And I'm going to ask you some questions on, on both of those things that you mentioned. Obviously, uh, you know, we are dying to know what the tips are to find some deals in, uh, in Vancouver and some of the areas that you might find the cash flow. You know, maybe we'll start with the tips specifically. Like I know you mentioned there's some tips that you could do. Don't go after mm-hmm. every everyone's chasing the same property that obviously likely is holding offers and, uh, and is going to have 10 offers and go over. What are some of the insights and the tips that you can share? Okay, so two of them that have worked really well for us this year, for our clients and also for ourselves, are targeting off-market properties. Okay, so that means not waiting and sitting back and waiting for MLS to have an active listing on there. There's a lot of people all over Metro Vancouver that where their current scenario is no longer working for them. It could have been the pandemic that helped them realize that, but they're not going to stay where they are. And um, if you're door knocking the right ones, it's a numbers game. So if you find the right one, and you find a seller that's motivated to sell, that's the first, the first step, and you're not competing. Second step in that scenario would be if you find a motivated seller that's not currently listed for sale, you really want to find out what is motivating their move. Because rather, as a buyer, you want to pay as little money as possible, obviously, right? You don't want to have to overpay for real estate. But if you can match a seller's motivation for why they're doing something and make it easier on them. That can also mean a price discount in terms of the purchase price. I'll give an example. So recently uh, we were door knocking. There was a tenanted property. It was a duplex. The tenants were a nightmare. The seller uh, didn't live in the property, but we were able to contact the seller and, and see if he was interested in selling. Because the tenants were such a nightmare, he knowingly sold the property for 170k less than what the current market value of the property was. And it was to take over those tenants in that property and deal with the headaches. But 175,000 is a lot of money. So that's one example. Can I ask, like, just so we get a a comparison, like, what was the actual purchase price? It was 870,000. Okay. And, and just to, cause there's a lot of people listening to this, not probably not in Vancouver. What's the, what was the rent that they were paying? The rent was below market rent. The rent was below market rent. So it would have been for both. So uh, half the duplex and then the other half, it would have been 3,500 for both. Okay. So definitely no cash flow. What, what are market rents? Like if you were to take that duplex, remove the tenants and, uh, and place new ones in, like what would a duplex in that you would have been a, yeah you would have been able to double that there's a few things with that so this property was located on the island okay it was not located um, in vancouver this property was in an area outside of victoria proper okay so victor uh for those of you that don't yet know victoria is on vancouver island it's the capital and um, there's a lot of parliament buildings and things there but there's an area outside of that that is growing exponentially and the prices 
have already skyrocketed. So the, the gentleman knew that he was selling at less than market, 170K. Um, and then this was purchased in the first quarter of 2021. So after the first quarter of 2021, we had the appreciation value in addition to the price discount. And what had happened was obviously, yeah, you have to deal with the tenants properly, right? You can't just evict them. So then you have to follow the proper protocols and everything like that, right? So giving one of them notice, actually moving in, doing the work on it to bring it up to standard and make it a nice, nice property. But yeah, it takes, it's a headache. So you have to be able to be okay with that. <laughs> Are the landlord tenant laws similar to Ontario where they favor the tenants over the landlords? Of course. Or- closer to yes. Alberta. No, no, it a hundred percent favors the tenants over the landlord. Yeah. So you have to know, you have to know how to maneuver through it and like, again, check with your accountant, but I think they're coming up with some, some tax pieces where, I mean, mm-hmm. right now it's just hearsay. It hasn't been made you know, firm yet, but you're essentially going to renovate. And if your, your rents are increasing highly, they're trying to tax investors. Um, so something that they're thinking about you know, the politicians to introduce, to try to stop some investment stuff. But again, who knows, who knows what will pass. And definitely if it does check with your account before you do anything, but so that that's interesting. So you are door knocking then for your clients. Is that, is that what it is? So unfortunately I normally do it for clients because you know, that saying it's like, if you go to an electrician or tradesperson's house, there's the last one to get done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I started recently door knocking for myself actually because I've had such great success at it and I want all of our clients to succeed but then I was like wait a minute these are really great deals I need to do that for myself so yeah I, I'm getting out of that habit and just focusing in on the clients okay yeah. all right awesome so it gives it gives you different opportunities obviously off market is always, especially if you're doing it by yourself, I think it's always going to be an opportunity to get better deals that not 10 people are fighting over. Jenny, any other insights or tips on how, you know, people that are looking to invest in BC and Vancouver can, can go about doing that? Yeah, a couple of them. I'm going to expand on what Tony said, not just having a bad tenant, but don't ignore properties that require that require a lot of work. So a lot of people love the shiny faucets and the clean floors. And, and um, I, I, there's not a lot of properties that are in distress order here. So I would look at properties that have been previously a grow up or perhaps a stigmatized property where these hidden gems um, are often ignored or, or kind of off the cusp of, um, off the radar of many buyers because they don't want to deal with the headaches. They don't want to deal with, with the, the environmental issues that come with grow ops or, or the, um, the spirits that may have been left behind in the properties. But I know it may seem like a headache, but it can be a very great deal. And uh, whether it be just hiring a home renovator or a feng shui master to kind of cleanse the space, I think um, you can actually benefit from some of those properties that are often ignored by kind of the, the, the people that have, that want all the check boxes marked off um, on their list of, of properties. Um, another, another idea is, is to, um, is not, not to have a laundry, long laundry list of things that you want in your home. So for example, if a unit doesn't have uh, a washer dryer, but, but the potential to add plumbing for a washer dryer. Um, so those, you know, often people want a home with in-suite laundry, but if there's a potential to add that in the future to add value, 
to your home, then that's just another thing that maybe um, are often missed when you're doing a search um, for a home in, in Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. Great tips. Now you're talking, you know, investors, and I'm just curious because obviously, you know, we hear investors in Vancouver might not be, you know, local, but you guys are probably seeing it and working with investors. Like, are there, is there a big proportion of investors that are not living in Vancouver and they're just looking to deploy their money from different countries? I can comment on this, Tony. Sure. Go ahead. Selling a lot of pre-sales the idea of international buyers or immigrants buying is actually not as hyped up or exaggerated as what the government makes it to be. A lot of our buyers here and investors are actually, they actually have a home or they have, they have PR status in Canada and in BC. So they tend to, you know, kind of vacation, maybe kind of off season, um, maybe when it's winter here, go back to family, but then their home base and they have, they have family members that actually live here locally where they do have ties and they, and they come back quite often. So I would say maybe some of their, their funding is offshore and they're bringing it into Canada because that's where they're maybe some of their business businesses are, are, um, coming in and, and, um, they're able to invest in, in real estate in Vancouver. But I would have to say that they do have permanent residency status, they have ties in Vancouver, um, and the investors are often, they don't really, there's a kind of this gray space where they may potentially live in it, or they have the option to to have a family member live in it, or they may rent it out. So there's a lot of options that they they, they kind of allow themselves that leeway to to have and, and not really be set on, it's just an investment and they're never going to come into Vancouver to live in it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. No, I always, I always like felt like for Ontario anyways, they always blow up these numbers as well. I, I don't know Vancouver as well as, as you both do. So <laughs> thanks for the insight. It's an easy, you know, pointing fingers at them because we're blaming them for, for property value increases. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we just don't have enough inventory to match the demand of of our buyers and um, we're, we just can't get the permits out fast enough. We don't have enough trades in the market to, to help build fast enough. So that's where that, that pipeline is. It's getting it's stuck there. It's not because mm-hmm. of our immigrants that are coming through. I was also going to add to that. Almost all of our business, they're local. There's a lot of local money from people that have grown up locally, generationally as well. So there's intergenerational wealth. And I think that that's definitely not discussed in the media. (laughs) Yeah. So it sounds a lot like Ontario. So let's take BC as a whole, because again, Vancouver is not the be all and end all. It is not the main, you know, market necessarily where people can make money. But other than, than Vancouver, like what are some of the maybe areas where as an investor, whether you're local or not local, that you might want to consider and start doing some, you know, analysis on? So there are some areas, like for example, Prince George. I don't know if you guys have heard about Prince George in British Columbia at all. Those are cash flow positive. You can buy cute little houses up there, actually. The prices have gone up, actually, since I, I checked uh, last month because we had a bunch of clients purchase up there. And of course, the prices just went up again. But a few months ago, you were able to buy a house out there for 325000 Great little investment property, definitely cash flow positive. So you'd be you'd be up around 1800 a month minus all of your expenses. Pretty good. You can't get that in Vancouver. 
And then another example would be, so looking for these areas outside of the, the main, say, communities, right? Mm -hmm. There's some possibilities as well if you wanted to do apartment buildings and things like that, but they're going to be further off the grid as well. Not completely, but those would also be on, on like a Vancouver Island on the other side of the island where they're just starting to build larger communities. Uh, those are cash flow positive as well. What else do I have on here? Oh, Port Alberni. Port Alberni, also on the island. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but it was a little mill town. And then since then, it, it was by uh, McMillan Bloedel in the 80s, and then they closed it down. But it's had a revival. Most specifically, I think, because all of the outskirts from Vancouver proper, like people, you have people moving out of Vancouver, and then the Vancouverites moving further out to the Fraser Valley, and people from the Fraser Valley moving to Salmon Arm or whatever. Um, so it's kind of like concentric ring theory. But uh, yeah, there's some really good deals. Just have to know where to look. Absolutely. Now, what do you think, like, obviously every area has strategies, right? Like, you know, some areas work better for flipping, some areas work better for buy and hold. I think you mentioned a couple that, you know, you can kind of just buy and, and rent out. Some are better for conversions, some are better for short-term rental, long-term rental. Like, are you able to maybe just share some insight on, you know, which markets might be most conducive for, for what and why? Jenny, do you want to take that one? Sure. I would have to say, first of all, let's take a, assignments on a broader perspective because assignments being in pre-sale, I definitely have seen um, every project that I've worked on over the past 19 years, every buyer of mine have benefited from buying something that is two to three to four years out. And they've been able to make um, grow their equity without really lifting a finger. And so um, for those that don't often invest in assignments is typically you're buying from a developer and what you want to try to do, I don't like to use the word flipping, but you're kind of flipping the home, but on a contract basis. So you're not, you haven't completed on the property yet, but you're essentially selling your contract to another buyer. And so um, it's hard to really market an assignment. And so that's why it's this hidden gem where you don't have to, you don't have, the benefit is that you're not competing in multiple offers. And by being able to find uh, the, uh, the right assignments that work for you, that perhaps are, you know, the develop, the, the, first buyer, which we call the assignor has kind of sat on it for a couple of years. Maybe the property is going to be completing in the next um, eight to 12 months and they want to flip it. They don't want to, they don't want to complete on the property. Um, you can take advantage of today's low interest rates. Um, you can take advantage of, um, of, not being in multiple offers. And I would have to say the, at the moment, the, the, the best spots to do a flip um, would be in the Okanagan, which would be like Kamloops and Kelowna. Um, I would also look into Squamish. So this is just an hour and a half outside of Vancouver. Um, and then if it's within greater Vancouver, I would probably have to say Surrey would be my best pick is because um, there's just so much more growth um, and it's, it's on, it's Surrey is actually um, going, it's on this rise of being the top largest city in BC by 2040. And that they're on par on that right now um, with the new Simon Fraser University with the new hub. Um, and so that's, yeah, those are kind of my picks uh, incorporating into assignments. Yeah, those are good areas. So is that what most people do? Or are there many people doing well with like taking a 
bigger home and converting it? Because I know that's pretty popular in Ontario where you're, we're doing conversions. Is, is that, you know, a big thing out there or is it mostly assignments? I would have to say, yeah, I would say for the most part, a lot of our buyers are pre-sell purchasers. Um, and the assignments typically happen for those that are speculating. And so they want to make a quick flip and make some money without having to fully commit to a mortgage uh, or putting in more money, uh, more of their assets into um, real estate. Um, another reason is maybe they just don't have, um, they haven't gotten the approval for, to get a, of an approval for a mortgage. And so they need to really sell it before that, that completion date arrives. Um, in terms of um, another option would what you're speaking of is laneway houses, um, mm -hmm. laneway houses and coach houses, I believe is pretty popular in Toronto and in Vancouver. Um, and uh, in Vancouver, um, laneway houses, you can build something in, in your backyard on a 66 foot lot um, for about 300,000. Um, and the rent is pretty good and um, and the, the the value you get out of it uh, for monthly income for positive cash. So the word positive cash flow is off, is rarely used in Vancouver. What it is 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 just paying down your mortgage mortgage helpers and while you're living in the primary resident on the upper floor. And so we've seen on a thirty three by one twenty two lot, um, a laneway home, two suites downstairs on the ground floor or basement while the mm -hmm. owner lives upstairs. And so it's a very popular setup. Mm, it's interesting. So, I mean, you know, it, it is always interesting and fascinating to hear about different markets and, you know, and the assignment piece I think has, has done well also, you know, ac across the country and, you know, especially in markets with high appreciation. There's, there's pros, obviously, when, when the market's doing really well, and there's some cons, you know, going into some uncertain times with, with the pandemic. But let's talk about that because I think every, every type of strategy has its pros and cons. And what are some of the downsides or the risks to assignments? Go ahead, Tony. First, I don't do a lot of assignments, actually, on the buyer side. I've flipped them on the seller side. I don't prefer them to some other options on the buying side, mostly because I think it's a bit risky. Jenny's right though. It can be amazing. It mm -hmm. can be amazing, but I, I'm more um, conservative. So for me, if I was going to do an, personally, if I was going to do an investment, I would want to make sure that I would, could get a mortgage for the amount or whatever, like equity, whatever um, line of credit for whatever I'm purchasing. And I'm not really one to, to speculate on the market simply because my motto and my family's motto would be to buy real estate and wait. And with the timeline for some of those developments, it could even go a little bit quicker. Unlikely, unlikely, right? But the old timeline for seeing condos appreciate, which is no longer, it used to be around seven years, it's every seven to 10 years out here. It's obviously way less than that now, which is why the assignments can be very lucrative and work. Uh, but I just, I don't like them per, uh, personally on the buying side I think it's too risky if you can't complete on the contract and also oh one other thing too they've made legislative changes as well um for things like you know paying the GST on the lift and, and those kinds of things so that was one of the reasons why I kind of stayed away from them over the last couple of years I mean they can be very lucrative you hear about people you know making 100 200 potentially more by just holding and, and reassigning but I think that the downside is we don't know, you know, if, if these are four, five, six years out, let's hope that that person is in a good position at that time to be able to close and actually get a mortgage 
should something change and they have to close on it, right? Because lenders could change, rates will go up, things can tighten or they can lose their job. And so like, those are all things to keep in mind. And so those, that's kind of like a risk reward, you know, thing that we all have to do as investors. And where are you going to be in, you know, four years or whenever that property is done being built, are you going to still have your job or able to qualify? Is the lending going to be the same? Are we going to see a dip because the government is implementing some new taxes potentially? So there's a lot of things to consider, but yeah, of course, lots of people have made a hundred, 200, potentially more by doing mm-hmm. just paperwork and, and just being patient. So again, just weigh all the pros and cons and, and, you know, I don't know, Jenny, if there's anything else you want to add to that or any more insight that you could share. Sure. Yeah. You know, like any investment, there's always going to be a certain amount of risk. I think one of the things that has made purchasing online uh, much easier is that there are lots of tools and analytics that are out there that will give you the right stats that have proven properties have gone up in Vancouver over the past 20 plus years. There's um, Offplan, there's Avesto, there's um, Zondo Urban. There's all these reports that come out that are free of charge to the public. Um, One of the things that yeah, one of the things is is long-term thinking, uh, that mentality of it. But also, um, when you're putting down, sometimes there's 5% um, offerings where you're putting 5% deposit, sometimes it's 20%. But if you can find that that really nice investment developer who's willing to take on 10 to 15%, and maybe you're putting down only 120000 100000 50000 even, where else can you make that return? Like if you're putting it into bonds or or mutual funds, you're you're getting 0.005% uh, on the dollar. And so to be able to make 100 or 200% on your deposit, uh, I think that's a very, um, it's a very good risk. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know clients that have made lots of money on uh, assignments. It does work. It's for the right person. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think also you have to think about what is, you have to be, you have to have no emotional ties. That's one thing is that by making smart financial decisions, don't tie yourself emotionally to the product or, or to the unit. And as well, think of what your long-term goals are. Maybe you have a family and, and, and you're more focused on RESPs. Maybe you're more into crypto, who, who knows? So I think, I think you really have to look into what, what you want, how your financial portfolio and and what your what your end goal is because there's no black and white answer I think everybody's goals are very different where you are in your life yeah absolutely that's great insight so one more question then we're gonna go to the lightning round maybe Tony will will start with you in in terms of your next investment what are you looking for and where this is a good question I was looking last night I'm looking for an acreage a really big one way 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 far out of the city so that I can create something completely sustainable I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I did see um, it was like 200 acres, which is, it's big, Uh, 200 acres uh, for sale near Cash Creek. Um, And I think they were asking, it was like $2 million. Yeah. I don't know where that is, but in comparison, (laughs) how how far of a There's nothing, it's far. There's not that much out there, but so this is the thing that is not going to be for everybody. Okay. Because the other ones that we were talking about where it's like, yeah, you want to be close enough to, you know, growing communities, amenities, those things. That's not the same thing. I have other reasons for wanting to purchase that. Yeah. So would you move there? Do you think? I think it'll be a vacation property, maybe a wellness retreat or something like that. 
Very cool. It could be, it could be fun. <laughs> yeah. No, it, the, the whole retreat thing is, is a ton of fun. We're actually doing some, uh, we're, we're actually going to host our first like real estate wellness and retreats. No, uh, it's August. I think it's like the second week of August. Anyways, it, it's a, fun, a lot of fun to plan. It's going to be awesome. So I yeah. hear you with the whole retreat resort kind of thing. Jenny, what about you? I make it very obvious. I am a Cali girl. Um, all the way through and I every time I visit California which is once a year I'm always looking at real estate I'm driving up and down the coast um, usually in so SoCal uh, primarily between like Orange County to San Diego and I'm finding the right spot for myself where to retire um, so <laughs> it's, it's I love it it's such uh, a good goal doesn't, yeah it doesn't it's not very far away so um, in terms of distance, but also retirement doesn't seem like it's a very far away. But I really want to just buy something there and uh, somewhere along the water and rent it out when I'm not there and, and uh, basically make it my second home. All right. You deserve that. Sounds like that sounds like a, a dream retirement and you're also on the right side of the coast so you can drive there. It's kind of like Ontario and Florida. <laughs> you can totally. Drive totally. down. <laughs> All right. Awesome. So we are going to go into our lightning rounds. I'm going to ask each of you ladies five questions. You can give me the first answer that comes to mind. Ready to play? Let's do it. Yeah. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Megan Chomutz. If you're looking for a great financial advisor to add to your team who actually understands and incorporates real estate as part of your overall plan and gets your money working for you, you can reach out to Megan at meganchomutz.com forward slash Sarah. And also she's offered for my podcast listeners to provide you with a free customized individualized 90 day game plan for getting ahead. So to get that, go to meganchomut.com forward slash Sarah. That's M-E-G-H-A-N-C-H-O-M-U-T.com forward slash Sarah. And now back to the show. All right. So question number one, maybe Jenny, we will start with you. What is your favorite real estate investing book? Ah, I'm going to go with two of them. That's allowed. This is investing on yourself. So Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss, such a great book. I was, I was uh, listening to it on my road trip and it talks about all the habits and routines by top producers, world-class performers and how they succeed in life and how, how they become icons and billionaires and how they've created a legend for themselves. And kind of a go-to, I think maybe this has been mentioned quite a quite often in, on your podcast is Rich Dad, Poor Dads, but I want specifically Cashflow Quadrant because I'm kind of in that, I'm, I'm in that, you know, kind of quarter where I want financial freedom in my life. Um, I want that to make it, make it a goal that money just works while I'm sleeping. All right. Great. Yeah. Books. Those are my two books. I'm going to, I'm going to order that Tools of Titan one. I think I've like, I've seen it and I'm like, should I order it? But yeah, you, I think you sold me on it today. Awesome. Tony, what about you? Yeah. Uh, well, I agree with the Robert Kiyosaki one. Um, however, I'm going to choose a new one. Uh, Shift by Gary Keller is a good book. I tend to resonate with all of his real estate books, though. Yeah, yeah he's for the real estate investor. I think I have like most of them up here <laughs> in my bookshelf as well. Yeah. <laughs> I can't see them. <laughs> Uh, question number two, this doesn't have to be real estate specific. Maybe Tony will start with you and then we'll go to Jenny after. What is your favorite podcast? Could be about any topic. Ooh, my favorite podcast is Kate Northrup's podcast. She is, have you guys heard of her at all? 
no her yeah her whole thing is no okay so, so she's an entrepreneur she comes from her mom is, was a doctor kind of like a pioneer in female health but basically it's all about balancing like creating your ideal career and business whilst balancing a family so it speaks to me because i I've, I've always had challenges with that um, and I think she also has really raw insights to um, how how she gets things done and how it works for her. All right, that's great. Thank you, Jenny. What about you? I love uh, Lewis Howes, the School of Greatness. I think um, he interviews very uh, great, successful people and leaders of all types. But I also kind of without like just to kind of take my business hat off. Sometimes I love having a good laugh listening to Smartless. There's these three celebrities, uh, Sean Hayes, uh, Will Arnett, and uh, Jason Bateman, and they're just bantering back and forth, and I love their humor, and it, it's totally off the cuff, and, and there's a lot of swearing, there's a lot of, um, of uh, sarcasm, and it's, it's totally different, so that's why I like listening to them. All right, great. I haven't heard of these ones, so it'll be good. Jenny, number three, we'll start with you. What do you do for fun aside from work and real estate? love traveling. I'm always traveling every year and uh, anywhere tropical. And I've recently taken up kiteboarding. So during COVID, I was like, I need to do a water sport. And I, and I wasn't able to travel as much as before. So I took up kiteboarding and I've been doing it almost once to twice a week in Squamish during the summer months. Very cool. I think that's the first. You're the first that said kiteboarding, which is awesome. Tony? Honestly, guys, I don't have any hobbies right now. I'm either with the family or at the office doing the brokerage stuff or selling real estate. That's about it. I used to be very fun. I used to love um, extreme sports like skydiving, like bungee jumping. I don't do that now because I've got a young family. So I'm like, nope, nope. Yeah, priorities. <laughs> yeah, no. All right. All, all good. All good. Spending time with family. That's, your, that's a nice hobby. Number four. Tony, we'll start with you. If you lost everything tomorrow, your assets, your real estate, everything, how would you start again? This is a great question. <laughs> this is, I just thought about what that would be like. Honestly, as long as I had my family with me, I would just do whatever it took. I mean, that's how I started this business too, from nothing. Start from nothing. And you just have to have, you take it one step at a time. You have a good attitude towards things. You know that everything can work out and you take the necessary action steps every day in order to make it happen so i actually don't know if we lost it would i still be in real estate though i'd probably create something brand new to be quite honest okay all right yeah something that's not real estate okay all right jenny what about you mm, i would say kind of along the lines of real estate but like more like private equity funding so i would borrow other people's money rather than and i have a hard time mm. borrowing money so that the the term debt has always been a scary word to me, and and uh, I sh I shouldn't be because we have the protection of inflation, we have um, low interest rates. But I would, uh, yeah, I would invest other people's money, and return and return return for me, return for them, and and just continue uh, driving that repeat business. All right. Okay. Final question. Number five, if somebody has $50,000 and you know, when I started this back in 2017, $50,000 was a lot more than it is today, mm. 2022, but we'll keep it the same just because you've got to be more creative. 
if somebody has $50,000, Jenny, we'll start with you. How would you recommend they spend that money? I would definitely buy a multi-cash flow generating property. So a triplex, fourplex, apartment building, um, live in one of them, um, pay myself as like a property manager, resident manager, basically not really work, um, just taking care of the units that need to be taken care of and, and get, you know, um, gain from the tax benefits that come out of that, but continue buying cash flow generating properties and apartment buildings. Do you have a, like a place for where that would be? Would that be in BC? Uh, I, if I was not in, if I, so I lived, I moved here in 1999, 2000, and I just continued living here just because my career exploded. And, and so um, I don't know if I would, so the question was, it wasn't, would I stay in real estate? It's only if I had 50,000, right? I, if I, if I could, it would be in the state. It would be in California. Okay. All right, Tony, what about you? If somebody has $50,000 and they want to spend it, how would you recommend they spend that money? Oh my gosh, it's such a good question. And you're right, 50,000 these days is not that much. I think it depends on uh, what their goals are and how risky they want to be. I know that, so if you look at investments, are, are you asking about real estate or any type of investment? I guess somebody that would be listening to the podcast, they'd be interested in finance and real estate. So I was going to say, I actually might look at lending the money out for a return um, because you can't buy much with $50,000 in real estate. You could, I mean, I know there's some properties really far up in the interior. You can get one for like 70,000. Um, so you're almost there, but I'd probably invest in uh, mortgages. And I know that that's not for everybody as well. You have to be really careful with it. Primarily, you'd have to look and see um, what the ratios and everything are to see to see how risky it is and the the portfolio of uh, who you're lending to. But that's probably what I would do. Okay, awesome, Tony, Jenny. Where can my listeners reach out and find out more? We're at uh, Instagram at In the House Podcast and also In the House Podcast dot com. Um, Tony and I actually we work at different brokerages. So um, my IG handle for my team is West One Real Estate. And mine's at Real Estate with Real People, and I'm at Bel Air Realty Group. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you, ladies, for being on the show. Thanks for sharing the insights. I learned a ton about the BC market just having a quick conversation with you. I'm sure there's tons more we can uh, we can all learn from. And uh, thanks for like sharing, and and uh, also thank you for all being awesome and providing content with your podcast because I know that 70 episodes is a lot. Uh, to, to keep it consistent. So thank you for giving back to the community as well. Thank you for having us on. Thank you, Sarah. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons. And at the time, they all seemed very valid. But as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away. And eventually, only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio 
consisting of multiple homes and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step -step online program. It's called Rise and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.